Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, I think we like to think in BC, if you are diagnosed with something serious, say you had some kind of scan and there was a potential that maybe you are dealing with a type of cancer, that you will get timely treatment. Well, we are hearing from people more and more that that is not the case. My next guest is a woman by the name of Ree. And Ree was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2019, has been monitored regularly, and is now dealing with something suspicious that came up and was told that she required follow-up and she has had much difficulty in getting that. And Rhi is here to tell us more about how she has been trying to navigate the healthcare system. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello. Hi. Hi, good morning. Uh, Rhi, can you tell us a little bit about what has been happening to you in the past little while? You were following or trying to follow up. Your oncologist telling you that you needed to follow up because something that looked suspicious had been detected. What has that been like? Well, it's been hellish, frankly. Um, I I had a mammogram, a routine like follow-up mammogram in late August, and I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear back anything from the radiology department. And then I met with my oncologist in September, mid-September. And she said that I should definitely pursue it myself, that I should make phone calls to the department. And, you know, she informed me that I, they needed further testing, uh, mammogram with dye contrast and then possibly ultrasound and biopsy. Well, having been down this road... I thought, well, you know, I've done this before. I can do it again. I just have to brace myself and and do what she tells me. So I I phoned up and I was informed. This was after a month. I phoned and I was informed, oh, well, it could be three months. So I said, well, you know, please don't forget me. I felt kind of of lost and forgotten out here. And this was only after a month (laughs) before in my earlier journey, everything happened on a very, very quick timeline. And so then the second time I phoned her, because I was starting to struggle with anxiety and depression, and I, you know, poured my heart out to her and told her how I was struggling and and I was upset and, and cried and said, do, what do I have to do? Do I have to, you know, go to the ministry? And she said, please do. She begged me to. She said that that she's the only person there and that there's a huge backup and there's a shortage of staff and there's absolutely nothing she could do to help me. So I, you know, on most good days, I just, I exercise vigorously and I try to live in the present and take deep breaths and visualize all the tools I've been given when I suffered from depression after um, the first cancer bout when I had a medication that was induced that. And but when, they, when nothing worked, then I thought, well, I, ha- I can't just sit here and feel helpless and hopeless. So then I would write a letter. So I wrote to David Eby. He wasn't quite our prime minister yet, but I thought I could plant the seed. And I wrote to Adrian Dix and I wrote to my MLA. Um, I got a you know a nice form letter. Sorry for what you're going through from David Eby, but he's not quite there yet. And so I'll refer it to him when the time comes. Uh, Adrian Dix, I heard absolutely nothing back, so I resent the letter after a few weeks, two, three weeks, and I heard absolutely nothing back, not even a form letter, sorry, this is happening to you, nothing. So then I phoned up and left a message, still nothing, no response whatsoever. I'd always thought 
that he was such a kind and empathetic man watching him on TV in regards to, to the pandemic. But um, I heard nothing. And I contacted my MLA, and she was an absolute uh very sweet and caring person and she responded or you know representative from her office responded right away and uh, eventually I met with her and she was very empathetic and listened carefully even when I was like you know ranting dramatically and 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 upset she just calmly and patiently listened and she said she's doing everything she can and that um She's, you know, made inquiries here and there. And, and my oncologist at the same time had been phoning and bugging the office. And so then she she put forward, she phoned, she said, I'm going to contact the Ministry of Health representative again, because she had already. And said so that afternoon, um, somebody called me. I'm sure it was just at their urge, her urging because they had ignored my pleas for help many times before. And so I was informed by that person that um, there was absolutely nothing that he could do. The messaging time and time again, whoever I speak to, is that it's my duty. I have to, it's my responsibility to to get care for myself, that I have to advocate and I have to keep doing this and I have to keep doing that. So he gave me a number. Oh, here's another place that you can fight for your those words that, he, that you can complain essentially so he gave me a number to call um that was patient client care essentially you can make complaints or inquiries or whatnot so i phoned them and i got an answering machine and left a message that was just yesterday so i I don't know how long it'll take it but in an email from my mla she said oh it can take up to 40 days to to hear back or so I'm, i'm just left feeling like um you know, I even if I make a complaint to this department, if I get this this test that I need, and then who knows how long it'll be for the next ones and the next ones and the treatment. But the the main point here is that it's not just about me; it's about everyone. And this has been like a deep dark secret. I didn't know any of this when I first had cancer. I had from the bad first suspicious <clears throat> excuse me mammogram to the end of treatment was less than 6 months now the latest i've been told is that i have to wait uh another the the last estimate was 5 or 6 months until i get the next test right and your concern is which means my concern is that i'm not the only one there are other people out there with maybe even more pressing, probably more pressing, the fact that they keep moving the goalposts. I, I'm sure you've heard of Farrah Kruger, who had to wait, I'm not sure how long before she got all her tests. By the time she, they scheduled her, her surgery, she was told she would lose an ear, part of her jaw, and she's already had, I think, five teeth extracted. All of this would not have happened if she'd had care in a timely manner. And in reading about this issue, I've d- discovered reading the Globe and Mail, they've been covering this, but I would, wouldn't have known it because it's just not out there. Other than the case of Fair Kruger, I hadn't heard of any of this before I started this journey. And BC is the worst province in all of Canada for cancer care. They always 
were the best for such a long time. And now they're the absolute worst. Well, Ree, we're going to continue uh, following up on this and uh, hopefully get some answers from the health ministry and find out why we're seeing delays like this. But uh, I hope we can have you back on the show and talk more about this. Uh, If we leave it there for today, uh, we would love to chat with you again and hopefully get some answers. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'd be delighted if you could because I've banged my head against the wall and everybody says there's nothing they can do. All right. So maybe that $5.7 billion uh, surplus they have could be thrown some of it towards cancer care. That would be amazing.